0: Hello, welcome to Wide Left Sports. Today I am joined by Royals assistant coach Cameron Maciel. How are you doing today?
1: I'm great. How are
0: you? Good, good. So let's just start this out you know a little bit. What are you up to now?
1: Um, Right now uh, you know I'm coaching the assistant coaching for the Royals and then I'm working at Triple Play as, a, as like a um, baseball instructor and doing that for kids and I do that almost Monday through Friday pretty much. And then I also work at a bar doing um, and just kind of hosting and everything like that. So it's been busy. And then I'm trying to finish out school. Hopefully I finish out next spring of 2023. So we'll see how that goes.
0: Awesome. You're busy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're really busy. So as I looked at your profile a little bit, you've kind of been around with colleges. You, uh, went and played for Big Bend Community College, and then you went to a school in New Mexico.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So what was it like to play for multiple colleges?
1: Um, it's honestly super different culture wise and everything like that between Big Bend and, and New Mexico. What originally happened was with my recruiting process was I signed with Dickinson in about December of my senior year. So super early into the season. And then they called me in May and um, told me that they're not going to have their baseball program after next year. So I'd go there for one year and then play baseball. And then whatever happens after that, there's going to be no more baseball. Just go to school and be a regular student. Mm -hmm. I was like, like, no way. I was like, I don't really want to do that. I want to play baseball in college for however long I can. And so I got the opportunity to go visit Big Bend and kind of fell in love with that place. And and then went on for two years there. And then I went on to New Mexico and a whole lot different baseball wise, um, you know, playing with wood bats and the NWACs and junior. Oh, career. really? Yep. And then in uh, New Mexico, kind of metal bats and the air was really thin. So you got to keep the ball down and a lot of home runs. I could tell you that much.
0: Oh, I can only imagine. Um, so what was it like to play in a wood bat league? I didn't realize it was a wood bat league that you played in in Oregon.
1: Yeah, it was in uh, Washington. Oh, okay. Moses Lake, Washington. It's kind of a little town between Spokane and Seattle. It's like your little okay. base stop before you get into each other. But um, <laughs> yeah, it is. and then but um, yeah, playing with wood bats definitely helps out the pitchers a lot. But didn't help out a whole lot because there's some great hitters in that league. I mean, you. I mean, our conference was like Spokane and Yakima and. Treasure Valley and all those, oh yeah, those guys. So same conference as Dan and Freeders and and all those guys. And um, but it's it's definitely different experience. You know, you try to work in as a pitcher and try to break some handles and collect some barrels and stuff like that. So yeah.
0: Oh, definitely. So what was it like to play against all those guys? I mean, you mentioned that Dan was in your conference and Freeders and um, yeah. now Nikolai is there.
1: Yeah. So. Uh, I didn't get to play against Dan, but I got to play against Freeters and Jared. Um, it's definitely kind of weird because you played with them for so long in, in Legion, and um, and so it's kind of weird being on the opposing teams after being in your hometown and everything like that. But my freshman year, I had Cole McKenzie, which I played with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I uh, played with him in, in Legion two before he graduated. And so I got to play against him my freshman year, and he absolutely dominated us. He, <laughs> he almost—I think he almost hit for the cycle two times in, in the doubleheader um, that we played against him. He was just missing a home run in, in both those games. So, but it's it's definitely a different experience, kind of. But at the end of the day, you kind of hug him and say good job and everything like that. One thing that I did hate playing against Yakima is that we never won against them when I was there. So really, they, so yeah, so they always got the bragging rights.
0: Wow. That's, that's crazy. And Cole McKenzie and um, Tyler Frieders, Tyler Frieders just signed with Utah Valley. And then if I'm not mistaken, Cole McKenzie went under like Purdue or something, didn't he? Yeah.
1: Yeah. He, uh, we still talk quite a bit. He, I just hung out with him not too long ago while, while he was here, Um, but he's down at Purdue. He actually, yeah, he's, he's doing good down there though.
0: That's awesome. I mean, that's big time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Sure. And Utah Valley is a great school too. I've spent a little bit yeah. of time down in Utah. Utah Valley is a great school. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. What made you want to go into coaching?
1: Um, I honestly looked up to a lot of coaches uh, throughout my playing days, and I kind of wanted to be that mentor for kids and everything like that. And I think once I got to Big Bend, I kind of realized like this is kind of like what I want to do. I've always thought about it when I was in high school. Like I want to be a coach, but um when I went down to Big Ben and started to realize like those guys are really good coaches and I kind of want to take my game after those guys um, is when I started writing down in a notebook. And I don't, I don't know, sometimes people see it when I'm coaching and everything like that, but I carry it around and it's kind of like my coaching notebook where I've written a whole bunch of stuff that I've learned throughout the years, sayings and everything like that quotes that they said So I always carry that around. It's a little, I'm not a Seattle Mariners fan, but my roommate gave it to me, but it's a Seattle Mariners journal. And so I keep it right there. And uh, I keep everything that I've ever learned or anything like that in that journal.
0: You're not a Mariners fan. Come on, man. They're a great (laughs) team to like. Who is your team?
1: I'm a Yankees fan.
0: Oh, no. (laughs)
1: Oh,
0: man. Come on. I'm a huge Mariners fan. I'm sure you know that from CJ. Yeah. but no so what is your philosophy as a pitching coach
1: um mostly consistency I want them to be consistent and not just using their arm I just want them using their whole entire body and so I kind of want them to create consistency and I I tell them that before I even start coaching or anything you know I don't teach you like how to throw harder but I will but at the same time I want you to be consistently I want you to be consistent throughout the game and I think um that's what kind of made me successful throughout my college career was kind of being consistent, throwing strikes, getting outs. And as a pitcher, your most, the only job you really have is to get outs and that's your Mm -hmm. job as a pitcher. So I kind of want to teach consistency and everything like that.
0: For sure. Were you a starter or a reliever?
1: So it's kind of funny. My freshman year, I didn't really pitch. I pitched one inning for, my college, in college, my freshman year. And then I completely flipped around my mindset and everything like that and became a starter my uh, sophomore year. And then when I got down to New Mexico, I became a closer slash reliever and then COVID hit. And then I came back home, had surgery and everything and got done playing. So.
0: Wow. So you kind of talked about that mindset. What's the mindset difference between a starter and a reliever?
1: So um, I guess... Kind of the bulldog mentality. You could starter. You don't have to throw as hard as you can the very first inning. Whereas as a reliever, you need to give it all you got. You got you got three to six outs to work with, and so you need to get those three to six outs. Whereas a as a starter, you need to go con- continuously throughout the game and um, be consistent throughout the game and get outs and everything like that. So you don't need to amp it up. But sometimes as a starter, you need to amp up at certain points and then, but you. As a starter, you could get better as the game goes goes along. And as a reliever, you just need to come in and get out, do your job right away, and get amped mm-hmm. up. I don't care how. I mean, yeah.
0: Definitely. So as I've noticed with a lot of the high school kids that get noticed out of Montana, they're kids that throw really fast, you know, mid eighties at the very least. And they're getting noticed for colleges. Do you think it's important to throw that speed? Or do you think it's important to have a mix of speed and control?
1: Uh, definitely a mix of speed and control. I mean, if you're throwing 90, 92 around there, then, yeah, you don't really need that much control when you go into mm-hmm. college, They're going to teach you about it. But definitely when you're hitting, like, average for college, 85, then um, you definitely need control in there. And then you need to have one or – you need to have – one or two pitches that you can go back to if your fastball isn't working or anything like that so and control is definitely a big thing um you want you want outs rather than walks
0: so oh for sure no for sure so then as a high school baseball coach um how do you teach that to a kid that maybe comes in and is a complete wild arm
1: um honestly it kind of starts with their uh, mechanics it's you know if their mechanics are all wild you need to set and control what works and everything like that and so kind of what I took after is if you throw a good pitch you kind of give a little fist bump and so that kind of teaches you like that's kind of like a pat on the butt like hey good job but I'm not doing it you're doing it yourself Mm -hmm. and so that's what I kind of teach and like you do this and you pump your arm in the air or something like that I don't know if you ever watched Max Scherzer throw a bullpen but um in his bullpen, he'll throw a good pitch and everybody in the bullpen will go like this. And even him saying, yeah, that's a good pitch. Okay. Let's repeat what I got or what I just did. And so kind of repetition, getting that mechanics down and feeling yourself. If you did do your mechanics bad, then you could say, oh, okay, I know what I did. So once you start realizing, you know, what you did wrong on your mechanics, that's when you could start. That's when everything starts
0: coming together. No, definitely. And then on the flip side. So you know CJ was not the fastest pitcher in the world but he had pretty good control how do you teach a kid to maybe have more speed on his ball when he already has that control
1: yeah so definitely um working out doing abs and everything like that lower body helps a ton stretching stretching is a big thing doing bands and everything um you want to stay loose and you want to feel your body throughout the whole entire thing and then mechanics wise you want them to use their whole entire body instead of just their arm so when you're throwing you don't you want to create that tilt and use that backside and really push off the mound with it and everything like that so that's kind of how you gain velocity and definitely long toss long toss Mm -hmm. um was a big thing I know when I was in college, we did, like, foul pole to foul pole pretty much. And so, (laughs) every, like, almost, like, every two days or every other day, we're throwing long toss, and that definitely helped a lot with my velocity.
0: For sure. So, you talked about college there. What was your college day like as a baseball player?
1: Oof, uh, busy. (laughs) Busier than than right now. Um, Yeah, so, I guess I'll take you through. And I'm very – as a pitcher, I kind of got – very I don't know strict on my schedule because all the start times and everything I want to be ready for my start oh yeah and so, and so I got really strict on how my day went I, You know baseball players are super um, superstitious and everything like that so if I no
0: get, not at all
1: yeah yeah if I had to, <laughs> if I had to, if I had to get out and nothing's going to change the whole week but usually you know sometimes you'd have six o'clock or a, like 5 a.m or 6 a.m practice And sometimes the pitchers would be doing yoga during that time. And then I guess i would go back, maybe take a five to 20 minute nap, depending when we got done and what class was. And then I would go to class for until about one o'clock. I would show up at the field, probably an hour, 30 minutes early for practice and then um, practice until about six. And then I would go to the library, finish it out until the library closed at nine and then whatever I didn't get done at nine, then I'll finish out at my house and then hang out with my roommates. if We were all still awake.
0: Wow. Well, that is a job. I mean, yeah,
1: it's, it's definitely a full-time job that that's you know,
0: what I, I mean. Yeah. A lot of people just think it's all fun, which of course it is.
1: Yeah. And but it's also where, work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's what uh, kids in high school don't really call re- really um, recognizes that once you go to college, it's a full-time commitment. It's a full-time job and you're either all in or you're out. And so you need to commit. And that's the biggest thing, um, is just committing to the process and everything like that.
0: For sure. So you mentioned yoga, which isn't totally unconventional, but it isn't exactly your typical, I don't know, workout thing. So what other things did you do that maybe were a little bit off the wall and just a little bit less typical?
1: Oh, uh, um, I definitely, anytime I came back home, I did hot yoga about twice a week, every, for Thanksgiving and Christmas, I did hot yoga when I came back about twice a week. And that definitely helped with my weight and flexibility and everything. That's, that thing's, that it's, it's a rough, rough, hot, hot yoga is rough.
0: Oh, Um, I've seen people come out of there and they're just drenched in sweat. It's like, I would not want to torture myself that much.
1: Yeah, for (laughs) sure. Um... And then I don't know, uh, we did a lot of running, a lot of running and um and yeah, pretty much a lot of running and a lot of
0: yoga. So wow, that's awesome. So I mean, I've seen football players do ballet, so I was just wondering if there was something like that that you did that no, like no. kind of more
1: <laughs> no,
0: you know. Oh, that's cool. But um so back to your coaching a little bit. Um with last year's team, they were extremely good. Um, what was your role in that team?
1: Um, I guess pitching-wise and catching-wise, you know, I'm mostly a catching and uh, pitching coach for the blue side. And so I helped the pitchers with a lot. I helped with uh, their program. Um, definitely, so before the game, we didn't have really a routine for the pitchers, you know, they just kind of went out and through. And so mm-hmm. I was like, you guys need to start get started 45 minutes before the game. Like whether that's stretching kind of get your mindset into the game and get ready for the game. Because before then they were just going out and just let's just go warm up in the bullpen or go throw. It's not stretch or anything like that. And so I kind of created this thing that, uh, you starts 45 to 40 minutes before the, before the first pitch. And so you'd stretch for about 15 minutes and then you would throw for about 20 and then you have 10 minutes or 15 minutes left um, before the game starts. So you'd spend 10 minutes in the bullpen throwing can't go past 10 minutes. And then once there's five minutes before the game starts, then you go back into the dugout, hang out, grab some water, do whatever you want you know. And so I think that really helped with the kids on um, getting ready for the game and not having that one or two first innings where they were bad and then all of a sudden they go uphill. So I was trying to eliminate that and I think it really did. And so um, with that being said, they really bought into the process even when we went down to Bozeman and had uh, position players pitch like Ozzie <laughs> and, you know, Stidham and all those guys. They Everybody knew about it. And so would ask hey hey coach cam like can you put me on that program right now I was like yeah I was like I was like yeah 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 you can do it and so that kind of that that helped a lot and then um and then I guess like behind the scenes what people don't realize is like I get times from the catchers and pitchers and you know as a pitcher you want to be below a one three from when you throw the ball to home plate and so Mm -hmm. I would always get that time and then you know help JJ and all those guys steal bases and everything like that. And it was definitely, definitely helped a lot and definitely uh, made me think a lot through the whole entire process.
0: Well if you helped JJ steal a lot of bases, you did a dang good job. Cause I think he stole like 60 bases last yeah. year. So yeah,
1: you know I have a little part he he has he has a lot of it. You know, I was waiting for him to break that record. I know when I played Jake Over spoke that broke that record and that was really fun to bat behind him because I would always get an RBI.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I remember JJ would get on first. It's like before three pitchers are thrown, he's at third base. It's like, what the heck?
1: Yeah, that was definitely a lot of fun. And, you know, that's, creating havoc on the base paths and that's what wins you games and everything like that. You want to make the fielders think and overthink and everything like that. So, and definitely that was our uh, rule in college too, is create havoc on the base paths. And so definitely helped a lot with us, with us playing games.
0: For sure. So the Royals last year, sadly had a bunch of injuries when it came to pitchers. I mean, CJ had his UCL. Eli was out all year because of his shoulder So how has your game plan changed from the beginning of the year to the end of the year when the Royals were pretty low on pitchers?
1: Yeah, definitely kind of limit on throwing because there can be overused, especially during the 68 game season. Um, You know, I can't even imagine playing in the major leagues. (laughs) I mean uh but definitely limit the throwing and how much you throw and how far you throw and everything like that um but I still want want them to throw after uh after their the next day after they throw even if it's like 50 feet I really don't care and it doesn't have to be that that hard of a throw but um definitely bands and running helps a lot and ice and everything like that so yeah
0: definitely so excuse me another question i have is two of the pitchers that the royals used a lot last year was gunner and michael and both caught a lot so how do you help manage their arms so that they don't wear out because obviously even when they're catching they're using their arms throwing it all the time
1: yeah definitely um you know when we're in practice we don't want them throwing a whole lot you know we'll make them sit out or just go through the motions and everything like that but not have them throw because as a pitcher and a catcher, that's definitely a lot of throwing. You're throwing about 200 times if, in two games if you pitch and catch. And so you got to try to limit it. You know, um, if Mike or Gunner started the game before, through the game before, we definitely don't really. We want them throwing a guy out at second, but we don't want them to throw a guy out in second, right. something like that. And so, like, definitely in between innings, we don't really want them to throw as hard as they can down to second or if they want to, they can. But it's definitely up to them and how their arm feels and everything like that.
0: Yeah, Michael would always gun it down to second. He didn't yeah, really I mean, care.
1: I know, you'd throw the game before and then all of a sudden get a 1-9 pop time I'm like, you're crazy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, he was crazy last year for sure. So how do you think the Royals team is going to be this year? I mean, a lot of seniors were gone, but a lot of the juniors played a key role last year too. So how do you think think they're going to be this year?
1: I think it will be good. You know, it's way too early to tell. Um, We still got a lot of practices, a lot of games left, and there's no true winner until the very end. So you really don't – can't really say. Y'all don't know how any of the other teams are going to be. I know Canada is going to come up or come down, I guess. Oh, are they? Uh, yeah, I've, I've heard that. I'm not too sure. Don't quote me on it. But um, I've heard that they might come down. And um, so that's definitely going to be a big role for them and, and stuff like that. But, you know, you never know too early in this this early in the season. can't really make mm-hmm. predictions or anything like that.
0: For sure. So the Scarlets and Royals are huge rivals. I mean, it's every baseball fan in Billings knows that. So, what is it like, one, as a player, because obviously you played in it, and two, now as a coach?
1: Yeah. So, I guess when I was a player, um, I did a lot of smack talking, and definitely, I I would smack talk who's too, even when I was pitching and everything <laughs> like that. So, you know, I, you know, you can't really do that now, but um, I definitely have a lot of respect for those guys, you know, throughout the years playing Ben Tallman and. Dylan Johnson and all those guys, those guys definitely pushed, you know, we all pushed each other to play the best game possible. And I know my favorite, my favorite games were always against those guys. Mm. And uh, Still same thing as a coach. It's just a different different atmosphere when it comes to Royals and Scarlets. It's just different. Everybody, everything gets kind of heated. And that's just the heart and competitive of Legion be- or Billings American Legion baseball is just, um, it's, it's just grind. You grind through the whole entire seven or nine innings, however much you play, because you definitely will see um, extra innings if, if it's Royals oh, yeah. and everything like that.
0: Yeah, no, there was one game a few years ago, Chase and Jackson Schauble were pitching and they both were just lights out. And I think Jackson gave up one run and that was the game. Yeah. And yeah. Like, what?
1: Yeah. And, uh, and no matter the record and everything like that, you know you're always gonna get a good game between the Royals and Scarlets. There's no doubt about it. You know, everybody kind of brings their A game when it comes to that day and that game. And, you know, you have to hear it from the other side, <laughs> whoever wins and everything like that. I've definitely been on both sides on the losing and winning side and I'd rather win than lose. I'm a, I'm a big competitor, so and I hate losing. So
0: Oh, for sure. No, definitely. So, let's walk down memory lane a little bit. What was your favorite memory when you were a Royal?
1: Oof, Um, Definitely Royals and Scarletts games. Um, You know, uh, one time I got to my very first game that I ever got to pitch for this for against the Scarletts was my junior year and um, I got to come in in the third or fourth inning and I think we were down. I think I came in with bases loaded or something and Morgan Dew guy was catching and he knew when I would get in the zone or anything like that. And he wouldn't talk to me and everything like that. And so we had walk-up songs when we, uh, when we pitched and everything like that. And so I picked my walkout song for pitching to be Inner Sandman because I loved Mariano <laughs> Rivera and I always wanted to be a closer like him. And so Inner Sandman came on and then all of a sudden it just clicked in me and I just went off. I had, I, the first guy, I think, rolled out to third, but a guy scored, and so we are down by one run or something. And I held the lead – or I held the uh, – I held them to only one run, and then we tied it in about the sixth inning or something, and then I blew it with two outs in the seventh inning, so they were up by one run. And then we scored one guy in the bottom of the seventh. Then a guy gets on second um i get oh yeah by the way i get pulled with two outs left in the in the sixth inning and then the next guy comes in throws one pitch and gets an out so inning over and then um cal comes up with guy on second tied game or something like that and hits it over the right fielder and then went on a walk off so that was definitely probably one of my favorite memories playing the scarlets even though i didn't get the win when the guy threw one pitch but it's fine and always (laughs) i know who it is i'll I'll always tell him about it too and i Sal and I always definitely always bring it up every single year and uh, another time was uh cancer night when I got to play for my um uncle Sal um so that was kind of a special night that's kind of that was kind of the night that made me realize like this is more than you know life like this is this is kind of play for someone else other than myself, which is kind of special so
0: oh, that cancer night is so cool
1: yes yeah, that great was my, experience yeah, that was my favorite,
0: yeah, definitely. So then, now move on from high school. What was your favorite experience in college, either at Bend or in New Mexico?
1: Um, man, definitely hanging out with the guys. Uh, you know, I don't know how, but we were all so different. Big Bend, I absolutely loved it. We were all so different, but at the same time, so similar. We always had one goal, and um, and uh, my freshman year, we actually broke a fifteen-year. Or like 15 or 13 year um, drought of making it to the NWAC playoffs. And so that was wow. kind of special. And uh, what Jameson Lang, the head coach did was kind of build like a foundation and everything like that. You know, he had three pillars and um, definitely grew it on us. And um, I couldn't ask for anything more from those guys. I mean, those are such great coaches and everything like that. And so, yeah.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome for sure. excuse me so you've pitched a lot throughout your whole career is there one guy that has just had your number that you cannot get out for anything
1: oof you know I really don't think so I don't think one guy made or break or broke me I don't I can't think of one I you know I really uh i really don't remember people like that yeah (laughs) they they probably did but i never knew about it because i don't remember them but i I have no clue about that one
0: well that's good to have that kind of short memory right yeah for sure (laughs) you need that as a picture for sure yeah so if you were to go back to your high school self what would you tell them about you know your college days or now or whatever
1: um Yeah. So, uh, you know, after I graduated and got done with Legion, I would definitely tell myself to stick, stick with my game plan. Because when I went into my freshman year of college, I, uh, oh, you know, I only pitched one inning and, but I was good enough to play and pitch in that league. It just, my mindset was not it that my mindset was totally gone. It was, I was trying to do stuff that I wasn't, that I wasn't able to do. I was trying to do too much. And so, when I went through my freshman to sophomore year, myself, my summer, they sent me over to quarter lane and they helped me with uh, a coach named Pat Capone. And he definitely helped me with my mental side. And then the pitching coach came and came and uh, was one of the coaches for those two for that team. So he'd help me on my mechanics and everything like that. And so when it came for my sophomore year, I stuck to myself and, um, I did what I can do and I didn't try to do too much. And that definitely made me successful. And I remember, you know, I'd always show up an hour, 30 minutes early before the game and um, coach Doment, which he played in the big leagues for 10 years, was one of our coaches and he would show up at the same time as me. And so me and him would always talk an hour, 30 minutes before practice. And I remember my freshman year, one day he, they knew about my mental my mental mentality my freshman year wasn't great and so he asked me one time my freshman year you know like what's your mentality like and I was like honestly I have a a great mentality and uh, I have a feeling that I could strike you out and everything like that and I was telling that to a guy that played in the big (laughs) and so I didn't I didn't truly believe it when I said that and then come my sophomore year I he asked me what's your mentality like and I told him the same thing. I was like, now I believe I could strike you out and everything like that, which I absolutely love him to death. But, um, you know, he kind of made me realize like like what I was going through and everything like that. And uh, I was like, what, what changed from your freshman year to now? And I think the biggest thing is I'm having fun. And I went back to my high school roots and mm-hmm. started doing things that I'm able to do and not things that that I'm trying so hard to do and I can't do. And so, so I'm starting to have fun now. And that's the biggest thing is just having fun while you're playing the game. I mean, it's just a game. It really is.
0: Exactly.
1: That's what people don't realize. It's just a game and games are meant to be played. And so I definitely kind of realized that came my sophomore year and that kind of what made me successful. So, you know, when I I tell my younger self that, um, that, you know, stay within yourself and do what you can do. Don't do what, don't do what you can't do
0: yeah no definitely I think it was Yogi Berra that said baseball is 90 percent mental for sure that can't be more true
1: (laughs) yeah for sure that's definitely the truest truest statement I've ever heard so
0: oh definitely but um so my final question is this podcast main or not main goal but one of its goals is to educate and help you know possible high school athletes that are at the point of maybe starting the recruitment process. So what would be your advice to somebody that's 15, 16, 17, wanting to start their recruitment process?
1: Um, I would definitely say, you know, there's a whole, there's websites, but ask your coach. The um, field level is what helped me. That's kind of a website where you put, post your videos and everything like that. Um, but field level is what I did. And that definitely helped me and coaches can contact you. You can put your number on there and email and everything like that. And then definitely don't be afraid to reach out to some coaches, email them, do everything like that. You know, the worst thing that you can do is say, Oh, I hope this college, you know, gets to me. Well, try to reach out, you know, no matter the talent level. I mean, it's baseball. Anybody can compete with anybody. So, um, try to reach out to some coaches any way you can, um, If you're going to be in, if you're going to annoy them, then annoy them. Then, you know, they're the worst they could say is no. So, (laughs) but um, definitely field level, they could contact you and everything like that. Ask your coaches. um, And they'll reach out to some college coaches and everything like that. So,
0: you know, one more thing that I thought of when you were talking about this Um, in our world of social media, obviously just about everything you put on the internet is out there. Mm -hmm how important is social media in the recruiting process?
1: Definitely important. You know, um, I don't really post a lot on social media, but, um, I've seen some guys post some nasty stuff on social media and that kind of ruined their recruitment process. So you got to kind of be not only a good baseball player, but a good person. And so, um, yeah, and if you're posting nasty stuff or anything like that, then that's definitely not gonna help you. You know, you wanna be a good person. Definitely coaches hear about it. I know when I don't know how he's how he knew, but when I was uh when I was talking to the Dickinson coach when I was getting recruited by them. He asked me on the phone, he's like, hey, I heard you uh, like bowling. He's like, yeah, we have a bowling alley here. We could go bowling sometime. I was like, what? I was like, "Uh, how do you even know that? I was like, how did you know that? And so so I definitely remember that. But, you know, it's crazy what coaches can find and everything like that because they definitely research you. They don't only look at you as a ball player, but they look at you as a human being and as a person. You know, um, I think the biggest quote that I've ever heard, if you're only remembered as a ball player throughout your days of playing, then then you failed. And so that kind of stuck with me and um, I don't want to be remembered as a great ball player or as a great coach. I want to be remembered as a great
0: um, human being too. Well, that's so important. Definitely. That's a great quote. Um, well, Hey, thank you so much for your time today, Cam, and have a great rest of your day.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me on big fan. So,
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for listening also. Yeah, <laughs> have a great rest of your day, man.
1: Thanks. You too.